Thank you for downloading this episode of the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. I'm Andrew Allen. And I'm Michelle Donkin. And these episodes are coming fast and furious now. Yeah. Not like the film franchise, that would be ridiculous. No, there's there's very few cars. Almost none. Although, where we recorded this episode, there were very many cars. Yeah, because we were recording in yet another venue, because we've been dashing all across Bryson to yeah. chat to loads of different people. Yeah. And uh, today, in this podcast, we've been mainly talking about cannibalism. Yes, we have. We've been chatting to Adjective Productions. About their production of Sweet Meat, a piece of new writing. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we had the pleasure of interviewing them in their rehearsal space. Yes. Oh, one thing to mention is that... um, We're in a new space. Yeah, and as such, we had four people around the microphone. Yes, occasionally the volume Mm. will drop below our normal high standards. Yes. And uh, we apologise for that, but actually it's not too bad and we hope it doesn't spoil your enjoyment of this episode. Yes, indeed. There's not much more to talk about. We don't want to steal any of the dialogue away from the podcast itself. We should jump straight in. We should. Fantastic. Let's have a listen. Let's have a butcher's. Hey, (laughs) hey. This is the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast, episode 13. Uh, we've been having a sort of a, a glorious time at the Bryson Fringe. Uh, the weather's finally picked up. Uh, we've just been hanging out at the Warren, uh, taking advantage of that glorious weather. And uh, we bumped into Adjective Productions. I say b- bumped into, we kind of arranged this. Uh, hello, how are you all? Yeah, yeah we're good. Good, thanks. Uh, so uh, this is, fine, fine. No, it's all good. No, it's all good. I guess that should be an appropriate question. How many different adjectives are there for how you feel? Sabrina, how, how do you feel? I feel excited. Excited, we have excited. Elated. Elated. Amazing. Amazing. Uh, I just can't wait. You just can't wait. It's my favourite object. Pensive. Pensive, I like that. I particularly like the playwright saying that's not actually an adjective. I think you're fine. Not actually. It's just a collection of words. Um, (laughs) Phrases. Uh, phrases, yes. Uh, I, I go. Um, what is your favourite adjective? Eject- Mine's naughty. Oh, you like naughty? <laughs> no, yeah. Mine is, no, 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 no. The one I would use. Oh, I it's see. a compound adjective, but it's yeah. Oh, hello. Uh, I've never, I've never heard the phrase "compound adjective" used as a slightly saucy-sounding phrase. Uh, what I is won't. your? Mm, can I swear? Adjective? Yeah, yeah. Okay, fan fucking tastic. Oh, we like that. Yes, that's a, that's fantastic. There, we were speaking to. Um, uh, sketch group who are performing at Sweet as well, in fact, in the same venue that you are, uh, called the Fantasticals, and they've been having a very good run. Um, Sabrina, you, you, you are literally cheerleading the, the Fantasticals. <laughs> she, uh, she directed it. I didn't direct it, I teched it. She teched it. So it's, it's been a really, really fun project working with the Fantasticals, they yeah. were really great. Have the rest of the objective team, uh, have they come to support the work? Uh, we're booked in to go on the last Friday, I believe. Oh, fantastic. The uh, Fantasticals next run is uh, from the 26th to the 28th of May. So that's after hours. Ooh. Oh, nearly done. Let, let, let's yeah, let's uh, follow that that little particular phrase. When are you on? When is Sweet Meat on? Uh, Start on Monday. Yeah, two yeah. days' time. Yeah, uh, 15th to the 21st of May. Yeah. Uh, Monday to Sunday. At 5.25 p.m. So if we're very lucky, this episode uh, will come out uh, at least before the, the you know, your fourth performance. Um, and... Uh, which would explain that um, although it's at five thirty in the evening, it's not it's not necessarily a pre-watershed type show. Absolutely not. Definitely not. 
So, um... Depends on where you grew up, I guess. <laughs> I guess, um, I mean, some of us uh, will know sweet meat, uh, in t- the, the phrase sweet meat, in terms of those uh, particular soft bits of brain tissue that Hannibal Lecter's um, particularly fond of. That's not necessarily too far off the beat. No, it's a bit of a, a, a triple threat title, yeah. because you've got the meaning of it as being, you know, sweet meats, as in the actual meat. Yes. Uh... And it's also what, like meat cutes, like sweet meats. Yeah, it's just in like meeting, yeah. in meeting mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. Uh, and I only found this out later, but it's also slang for uh, penis and balls. So <gasps> that's, oh, yeah. that's interesting. How many words can we think of? How many adjectives can we think of to describe like, penis, and oh, penis and balls? Tallywacker. That's not an adjective. That's just another name. No, but like okay, fair enough. Mm. Oh. oh, I see. Sweaty is right, and certainly yeah. you and Brad do get very sweaty during Turgid. the production. <laughs> yeah, you see a bit of that in the show. We shouldn't be talking about. Hang on, hang on. You see a bit of uh, you see a bit of what, Claudia? <laughs> <laughs> you might see if you know the, the edge of some balls. Maybe I'm just saying. You see the edge of my balls. <laughs> <laughs> Not in the play. Okay. <laughs> well, your rehearsal schedules are on point, aren't they? <laughs> what did you get them to do, Sabrina? Well, you know, I just like to get right down in the into the action. <laughs> Balls deep to be specific. There's a lot of post-coital scenes, so there's the potential. Yeah, yeah. You might just get lucky. This, we will record you on that. Um, <laughs> so this appears to be quite a, a visceral hour. So what... <laughs> okay, yeah, I just can't believe we're, trans- we're, sell- we're now selling the show through people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not. It's not necessarily a play about cannibalism no, either, no. is it? No. It's, it's also not a play about the balls. <laughs> 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 so let, let, let's uh, explain that because al- although you've uh, identified that it's not necessarily a play about cannibalism, that is one of the, that is one of the hooks. That's uh, one of the inspirational points. Yes. Um, so, um, what came first? Was it the, the writer or the director? Did you find the script? Did the script get sent to the director? What happened? Well, uh, the script came first. Yeah. I, I wrote it. This is actually the second version of the script. I first wrote it when I was 18. Yeah. I'm at the ripe old age of 23 now, so I've matured a lot, as you can uh, Several know. lifetimes since. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I've, I've evolved a lot as a, as a playwright, as a, as a person. Yeah. Um, indeed, as a human. But so I, I wrote the original when I was 18, and I was very depressed, and I was sort of working through a lot of problems. And now I'm fine, so I'm not mentally ill at all anymore. I've completely recovered. Uh, so I've decided to rewrite it now and, <laughs> and just make it good and better. Because the, the first one is quite off the cuff yes. and very, quite raw, whereas <laughs> the, the new one I've tried to streamline it and polish it. Does that mean that in real terms, because we can redraft the script quite often, yeah. but is the second version, in all intents and purposes, a different play? The storyline is the same, yeah. but I've actually drastically changed... Um, the conclusion of the play, kind of like the message of the play. Yeah. Whereas the original is kind of about um, finding someone who will understand you and someone who is like you and and sort of getting to that space where you don't need anyone else and you'll yeah. be fine. Here it's more of, of like romanticizing that idea and and having the illusion that you can fix everything by by ha- by doing the, this one thing that you really want to do yeah. or meeting the right person 
Whereas in reality, you know, that's not, that's never how it works out. You don't fix all your problems by, with a miracle cure. Well, it's interesting because uh, you were uh, making the reference to meet cutes before that sort of cinematic idea that there's a very beautiful way that two people can meet and it's very perfect and it looks in good in good lighting and whatever. Whereas real life, even when it's really good and sexy, it's a bit more bland than that. There's, there's no logic to life, you know, it, things can just happen, which is quite difficult for a writer sometimes to sort of, be able because sometimes you have to lie to get to the truth you have to sort of go well no there will be such a thing as a meet cute there, mm. there will be a reason for this there will be a message is it difficult to do that to blend the message into the script or do you worry that you might be sort of banging us on the head too much yeah uh, there's always there's always the um the concern about either doing it too little or too much yeah so either understating it and so everyone comes out of it going like what the fuck was that yeah or Doing it so much that you you're watching it and you really go and, and you lose the story and you lose the story yeah. yeah because then it makes it it becomes more preachy which sure. is definitely not what we want to do with yeah. this production. So Johnny, who, who are you were the gentleman who came up there mentioned meet cutes. You're playing Felix. Tell us who Felix is. Felix is the sort of gay that you know really wants to hold on to his youth. He's a sort of wannabe tw- um, or has been sort of twink, and he's really out there. He's quite loud. He's yeah. quite vivacious. Um, party still like yeah, definitely likes to party. Yeah, he's a bit of a power bottom. He's he's a bit of a slut, yeah. and he's not ashamed of it. You know, he's yeah, he's quite out there, and he's but he's forthright about it, and he doesn't give a damn. Felix is portrayed, I think, um, initially as a bit of a bitch. You know, yeah. um, which is a stereotype, mm-hmm. and um, throughout the course of the production, you realise that Felix is probably the most genuine. Um, character and the one that has um, the most depth capacity to actually grow is probably the most genuine character who who truly cares about his best yeah. friend and also you seem to be indicating that he's I mean we haven't spoken to the other actors and the other uh, characters yet but there's an indication that he isn't a liar and no. the current phrase that is very fashionable at the moment is that he takes zero fucks from anyone that's that sort of vibe yeah well, I think the correct phrase would be like, um, I wouldn't say, he doesn't give zero facts because, okay, he, he does to a degree, but with, yeah. with regards to honesty, um, he's like, I don't want to say a straight shooter because obviously he's super, super gay. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I think the, the term can still apply. No, of course. Um, but like we said, yeah, he is, I don't know, he's, 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 on, he's not honest to a fault. But so what's his narratively, what's his role within the play? Well, in the beginning of the play, you obviously establish that he's the ex-lover and yeah. uh, best Sigmund. friend of Sigmund. Yeah. And then going from there, he obviously is, you know, being supportive of his friend. He's found out that his friend's actually, you know, gone through a bad breakup and he didn't actually like the girlfriend. So as far as he's concerned, that's fantastic. Yeah. So, you know, and he's just really... Um, dependable like that he's willing to just you know help his friend you know change his circumstances and he's a bit cavalier and about how he goes about it but you know he does deliver in the end and that's quite you know uh, fantastic really it's, it's like it's he's good. fundamentally a nice person thank you hides... that's exactly what I'm saying yeah. Yeah. he's fundamentally a nice person but he hides it behind this veneer of like you know cynicism and being this very vacuous um, a bit of bluster shadow there. He's a bit of yeah, he's a, yeah front yeah. Um, so Sam, you're playing Sigmund. So if Felix is for the bluster and the straight shooting, what's um, Sam, what's Sigmund's DNA? Well, I don't, I don't think it's, there's much bluster involved. I think he's genuine in his straight shooting. Yeah. To an extent, he seems to be someone who I think he's a very, very normal person, but he has been 
dealt a bad card. Yeah. In the sense that he is uh, into something that other people find disgusting or morally wrong. Yeah. In in terms of the cannibalism side of the play. Yeah. Um, he's he's quite lost. Um, he's never. I don't think he's ever been able to indulge in his own desires. So he's 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 had to suppress. Yeah. So much, and so there's a lot of sort of tension. To he's, yeah, he's quite guarded as opposed to how we've said how light and open and airy fairy I can be. Um, so that's quite beautiful. The dichotomy mm. is. There's that ebb and flow between how you're actually quite guarded. I'm really open. I'm ebullient. You're a bit more sort of stayed it's it's a good balance i yeah. think i'm kind of always drawing stuff out of you and i mean well one of the big running themes of the play is wanting to belong to something it's like fi yeah. finding belonging not necessarily by being the norm because with sigmund for instance his whole idea is wanting to find someone like him you know yeah. someone who shares who you know the who will make him feel complete, which is like a, a recurring sort of word in the play. So he wants this belonging, and I think all the characters want to belong in a way, so Felix will play up, you know, the characteristics that he thinks will allow him to belong to the the, the lifestyle and the community that he wants to be in. So yeah. he plays up, you know, the uh, sort of vapid, sort of wannabe twink yes. aspect. And that's not necessarily lying about who you are, but it is sort of being tactical about yeah. what you reveal and what you do in your life, and that's something that Sigmund does. He he wants to, at the beginning of the play, he wants to be normal, yeah. as he sees it. You can't, you can't see uh, air quotes on, on the podcast. You'd be surprised how many times you've had to do air quotes on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. um, so he, he wants to be a normal person. Yeah. Uh, and meeting someone who shares his fantasies is sort of his, his descent or ascent or sideways yeah. <laughs> move into... Um, being who he really is, but that comes with advantages and problems. Well, the, one of the main problems, I guess, is that there's a very sombre element to this play that w whether you're, for want of a better word, consumer or you're going to be consumed, each relationship has to have a, a time stamp on it. It, it will end. Mm. So even if you are the one who's consuming, that's not a long-term relationship. Yeah. How does it feel? Is that something that's come up for you, Sam, or...? In terms of your character? Absolutely, yeah, I guess so. I think it's well, towards the end of the dinner, I was to say. I think Sigmund's tricked himself um, a little bit and he's he's almost forgotten about the time stamp um, because he's so focused on on his on that this one desire, yeah. on this one need, that everything else is a blur and and he's he's willing to compromise that. Yeah. Um, but at some point you have to face reality, and that's something that uh, that comes up. Well, the, and that's something that the play discusses, mm -hmm. that it's... it's like imagine you getting exactly what you want, and then suddenly realising, shit, it's not it's, what you want. Really maybe yeah. this is possibly not what I want, but yeah. the implications of having this, and completely, I guess, getting what you want. And it's got, I think, I think the play is about... Uh, desire and the people indulging themselves in their own desire and sort of without any boundaries and how that can be a very negative thing. Well, it can have very negative con yeah. uh, connotations. Indeed, and, and this play is obviously sitting about extreme elements of desire and want. Mm -hmm. It's, um, we were speaking before we start recording, it's actually perhaps obviously to some people, inspired by some real-life events, um, yes. which were going on a few years back. Yeah, uh, it's inspired, it was inspired by the uh, consensual cannibalism case of Armin Maivas, which was in t uh, 2003, well, it happened yeah. in 2003, but he got arrested in 2006, yeah. if I remember right. 
and he's in prison now. Yes. So he put out an ad seeking a man between 18 and 30 willing to be killed, slaughtered and eaten. Yes. Uh, and someone responded, so Bernd Brandes responded, uh, and they actually met in real life and went through yeah. the process. Um, and then he got found out later uh, because he was talking about it on the internet, and that's yes. how he got arrested later on. That and deserves unpicking, in fact, because not only did somebody respond to that when they went through it, and not only did he get found out by talking about it, presumably a copy editor passed that advert through in the first place. <laughs> no, it was on a, on the, an internet forum. Oh, oh, oh so, not even a dark web sort of thing. But, uh, no, it, was it on the dark web? It was on, well, it was on a website called Cannibal Cafe. And it was the sort of place, well... <laughs> the clue is in the title. Yes. And this is in 2003. Exactly. So the dark web isn't really a thing. No, it was kind of like point. a Yahoo group style. Like, you know, like back in the old days of the internet. Yeah. You know, many moons ago, you had sort of Yahoo groups. And because at the time, I don't think people really understood what you could do with the internet. Like, no. what, what could be triggered by um, allowing anyone to talk to anyone about anything. Sure. So this was before an era of censorship or trying to hide. Yeah. Because I don't think people saw the possibilities. So we're, we're not looking at the internet element here. No. We're, we're, we are looking at the... Um, because what interested me a lot when I, was, when I found out about this case was um, the motivations. As you said, you know, it deserves un- unpacking. Someone responding to that ad, I thought that was extraordinary. Yeah. Because all the press about the case and all the documentaries and everything, obviously they very much focus on uh, Armin Maivis, who's yes. still alive and can talk about yeah. the situation. He's in prison in Germany. And presumably he'd have a sort of uh, an almost... What defense of it was consensual? Yeah, uh, and that, that was something that actually came up in the trial um, because uh, they didn't know if they could charge him with something at first because yeah. someone had died, but it was consensual. And the reason why they knew that it was consensual is because Armin Mivas filmed the whole thing. Yeah. So it was on camera that uh, Brandes agreed and, and was enthusiastic and was actually the dominant partner yeah. in a lot of uh, moments, which is something that I thought was really interesting. Mm. Um, and obviously, like I was saying, documentaries and films always focus on the perspective of the cannibal, yeah. uh, which is really interesting. And, and there's an idea of like being so lonely, wanting some, to, to have someone with you, in you, all the time, you know, forever. Yeah. Uh, but I thought, you know, how, how much do you have to hate yourself to want to be completely annihilated and consumed by someone else to feel part of something better, something greater than yeah. yourself. I thought that was an amazing thought. And that's never, they don't really pause to talk about that or like why he might be the way he is. And that's something we've tried to explore in the play. And are we aware of that either in real life or indeed in your play about that's the motivation, about self-hatred? Um, from, well, again, since he's dead, we, you know, you can't really <laughs> yeah. ask him about it, but... There are a lot of traumatic events in his life that we can piece together and a lot of what he was doing uh, before he answered this advert, uh, indulging in high-risk behavior uh, in Berlin and sort of um, trying to get people to mutilate him and and, and feeling this sense of real, like, frustration about um, his sexuality because he was gay and his uh, place in life and just his, himself as a person. You know, I don't want to go on about it too much, but like... Something that he brought up a lot when he was alive was uh, the fact that um, when he was a child, uh, his mother tried to kill him and herself by driving into a wall with a car. Uh, But only she died, so obviously he saw everything. And then his father refused to talk about it and he never got to work through that trauma. And we've we've got a lot of trauma and formative behaviours in the play that get discussed and, and explored to examine 
what that can do to a person uh, and, and what effects that can have on, on their life. And I get again to throw it out to everyone. There's this idea, isn't there, that you've discussed? I know that the murderers' names become iconic. We always know who the murderer is. The victims tend to get forgotten. Jeffrey Dahmer, for instance. Exactly so. So the, the the victims tend to get blended in, and sometimes indeed quite literally. Um, <laughs> but that wasn't meant to be as much of a pun yeah. as it ended up being. Um, but that somewhat sobering, isn't it? That the that the uh, we I lionize and ionize the, the, the murderers and we we do forget the victims. I don't think in this instance that Christian is the victim mm, I see. in the scenario at all. Um, he gets right. he gets exactly what he wants. I agree. Um, whereas Sigmund in contrast has what he wants or has what he thinks he wants and has it all taken away from him. Yeah, yeah he's left the bigger pieces. Yeah, there's a, a... I guess in the same way that Felix's uh, stereotype is addressed and, um, to, it, it, you know, in a lot of ways, uh, proven wrong. Yeah. Again, the, the idea of the stereotypical dominant killer yeah. and the sort of submissive victim is turned on its head a few times there are a few there are a number of uh, power dynamic shifts I think what's interesting when Sabrina sort of as directed gave us the idea that it's not necessarily obvious or clear or up for agreement as who the victim is and who the dominant power is how much of that comes from the production and Sabrina's direction and these guys acting how much of that is a surprise to you as a writer that it wasn't intended as a writer? Um, I always wanted there to be this this uh, power dynamic shift because that's, like I was saying when I was looking at the original case, I thought it was really interesting that um, the quote-unquote victim came off as a more dominant person yeah. and, and seemed more driven and, and more centred on a goal than uh, the person who actually put out the ad and, and did the killing. You know, yeah. So that's something that I, I knew I wanted to do when I started writing the play. But the, the way that that's been concretized in, uh, in the acting and in uh, the way the scenes have been um, set up adds a lot of layers to it. Yeah. It, it happens, that there's more shifts and they're more visible yeah. than, than there are. Whereas in mine, it's kind of like a straight line and then like, ah, now yes. there's a reversal. Uh, it's a lot more ambiguous yeah. in now that the play's at the stage that it, it's in. Absolutely. Yeah. And so those performances have really, as you say, sort of solidified stuff. Uh, we haven't spoken to two of the actors uh, just as much. Bradley, I have an excuse for because he's physically not present. But up until now, I've been ignoring you, Claudia, who, and you're playing Agnes. Uh, what's Agnes's role within the narrative? So she is the girlfriend yeah. of Sam. Well, ex-girlfriend. Um, the play opens up explaining the fact that she's now, that she's now picked him out. Yeah. Um, she, I'd say... Character-wise, she is portrayed as the bitchy one, yeah. the bitch, um, and bossy, and not fun. Um, is, it fun is it fun to play? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not much difference to me, really. <laughs> it's fun to watch. Uh, it's, fun, it's fun to play. But she's actually really caring. She's actually not bitchy, and she's not bossy. She's just, uh, she knows her mind. She's very strong. Um, and actually in society, I find that that's a lot of women are stereotyped like that. But a strong woman is portrayed as bossy. Yeah. Actually, it's not that case at all with her. She's probably the most caring. And she's been dealt an odd hand if her boyfriend is into cannibalism. 
Yeah, I mean, it's quite unfortunate, really. It, it didn't come upon his Tinder profile. <laughs> no, no, I mean, you know, there's one thing worrying about cheating, worrying yeah. stray, yeah. Or, but worrying that he'll eat someone. Will he you turn know, you into a burger? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not something, you know, I think about when I get with someone, you know. I think no. about <laughs> the other thing. But that's an interesting thing you spoke about uh, obviously society sort of often being a bit flummoxed when a woman has a voice exactly. and uh, even if they happen to have you know it's interesting I've been very aware up until now that we've been chatting for about 25 minutes half an hour and we've been, uh, I've been guilty of this, we've been talking to mainly the boys. I don't and know that. I, no- I noticed and I wanted to say something because I feel like she's been so gracious. Yeah. And just, yeah, In real just life there. I'm meaning now. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm and a girl as well. Yes, Wait, Sabrina, you're a girl. <laughs> Shane. As has been pointed out, um, Johnny's pointed out, he's been sort of very patient with us. Inside I'm dying. You've been having to wait your goddamn turn, which is... Which is quite annoying because I'm quite impatient as a yeah. person. In and, real life and the play. And indeed, as soon as you, we've started speaking to you, uh, we, we've immediately started speaking over you as well. I know. I mean, Johnny Felix just jumped in right on my, <laughs> my set to stay. This is my time to shine. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess what, what I wanted to unpick with that was that if we are acknowledging that sometimes the, the female role, either in society or in a play, is to um, be counter to the male parts of the stuff. And your role in this play is literally to be the, the counter. Um, how does one attack that? Uh, how does one uh, find your way through on that? I think I, I try to find ways that Agnes can come through. Yeah. The little she has, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I do that. I tend to do that a little bit with acting anyway. Um, small parts because yeah. small part you can just make you can make it a small part if you want or you can um you can make it as big as you like but mm. with, with Agnes um you know there are there are little there are little gold moments in her in her speeches or in her appearances that I kind of cling on to without revealing what they are. No indeed. Um, and obviously they don't you know it's not like huge moments. They're just little, little glimpses of what she has. Yeah. Um, just seeping through. And we're talking about the golden moments, moments of light, and it should, it, we should point out, we should emphasise that this is, you've spoken about trauma in the play, but this isn't a traumatic hour for the audience. It's not full of misery and desolation. I mean, I did see a play uh, earlier on at the Fringe, at the, at the Warren, where somebody was um, actually cooking something on a hot plate. I'm guessing that's not going to happen in this play. No. no. There's lots of laughter in it as well, yeah. which, is, which, which actually saves saves the play from the darkness and the yeah. it's not completely dark. There, there are lots of fun, funny moments. Um, it's, I think it's going to be interesting to, to see how an audience reacts to it because I've never, se- I've never seen a horror on stage. I wouldn't say no. this is a horror, but there are certainly some very, some people might find very horrific scenes. Yeah. And I'm, you know, you're used to as an actor, people laughing or people yeah. maybe slightly gasping. Yeah. We could have some quite vocal audiences. Who, Absolutely. Who, yeah. A lot of nervous laughter. Yeah, nervous laughter as well. Maybe. I think there's a great dichotomy in the play. You say about how it can be dark and we don't want it to be a traumatic experience. Uh, Claudia and, and my character is Felix, her being Agnes. Um, we do bring the laughter and the fun and the energy and yeah. the passion. It's just in a completely different, like like high voltage like I don't know we, we, we do amp it up and I guess it is a nice little counterbalance to how intense um, 
both um, Brad and Sam's characters can be, so it's nice. There are some e- interactions equally with Christian and Sigmund uh, with elements of black comedy, mm-hmm. um, uh, which is nice in contrast as well. Presumably for um, Sam, sorry, not Sam and Sigmund, because that that's both you. Um, but for um, Sigmund and Christian, I'm assuming there's it's almost a dark romance. Mm. But there's, um, as you said, a meet cute earlier. There's a there's a, a strange flirtation, I imagine, in your scenes. Is that oh, fair? absolutely, yeah, absolutely, yeah. But I think I think I was saying this to, to Sabrina the other day. Whenever I whenever I tell my my mates about this play, everyone sort of says, you know, how how do you, how do you do it? It must be really sure. difficult to do. Yeah. And I, a lot of questions I've got asked is like, how do you get yourself into that headspace? Yeah. yeah. But it's never it's become so normal now. It's it's doesn't even seem to be about the nitty gritty side of mm-hmm. I'm going to eat you eventually. Yeah. It's more about the connection between the two people and them wanting to be together forever. It's just the what so the way that they're gonna to yeah. be together forever is is very different to how it's very different to a ring on the finger. Yeah. For for them <laughs> for them very, very good. You see it as a love story. The cannibalism is their kink, for want of a better mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well that's that's one thing that's quite um, interesting and that I think we've all tried to keep in mind while uh, you know, uh, preparing the show and getting everything ready uh, and rehearsing and everything. Uh, and certainly I thought about this when I was writing, uh, that um, the way the play is set up is, again, that there are some very dark themes and, and elements and scenes. Yeah, the, 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 the way that uh, Christian and Sigmund connect is normal to them. You know, it's yeah. something that they they see as just, um, that's what they want, and yeah. that's what they they perceive the way that um, the average person would see, you know, like a romantic gesture, like a, I don't know. Uh, a kiss on the cheek. A kiss on the cheek, yeah. yeah. Um, there might be some... The most nibbling on the ear. A, bit, a little nibble, yeah, a little nibble. <laughs> um, but because the way that I've tried to write, and I think that uh, Sabrina and the cast have very successfully uh, managed to make real, yeah. <laughs> is that um, Sigmund and Christian both want this uh, this to happen, yeah. and for them it's very normal. So the audience gets invested in their relationship, and they start to root for them, and you want sure. it to happen. So Felix and Agnes become kind of the, the villains in a way because they're um, you know they're in opposition. But if you think about it, they're completely justified. Yeah, of course. <laughs> like, of course. I and like that. That's yeah. great. I, that's I, really I almost didn't think about that, but you, we are kind of the we can be misconstrued as actually being the bad people, even if we're like morally actually on the right. Yeah. That's a really useful way in, isn't it? If you know, without giving away too much of the last quarter of the play, if we are now sort of as you say rooting for the people who want to eat each other and commit what many people would find as obscene acts and the people who are sane and rational become the bad guys that's you've got something really exciting going on there that can be really successful how is it to sort of direct that because clearly there's an element of the plots being even if it's delivered rationally it's insane this is uh, not a conversation that you'd have with your mates down the pub of going oh I'm popping home now to eat somebody how can we keep this believable um, well, I think Sam and Brad have done a really great job. Their chemistry on stage is just wonderful. Um, and to be honest, in rehearsals, it was never... It, it, I was surprised. It wasn't as difficult as, as we imagined, was it? Yeah. It's. I think there's just... It's a lot of sexual tension. Yeah. Really. And and underlying ev- like all of those moments is just their desire for one another. And it just so happens that their physicality 
um, and their want to be close is just at, at that real extreme end of the spectrum. Yeah. So directing it wasn't um, wasn't as morbid as you might expect. No. So the cannibalism is um, both the hook, the thing, the reason why you might buy a ticket, but also to want to use a rather loaded phrase, somewhat irrelevant. The the, the plot is about other things. I think so. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I agree. I totally agree. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. If we're talking about cannibalism as part of the play, we should also ask because uh, not all of you live in Brighton. That, that's quite so. No, um, no. Sabrina, you are a local girl. I am a local girl. Um, Jonathan, Johnny? yeah, I'm a local boy. Yeah, I'm. Mm. I'm. I live in London. I'm based in London. Yeah, in, in Camden. I live in Haywards Heath. Okay. Which is Pretty close. It's reasonably close. Yeah. And I live in South London. South South of London. South South London. London. God, I, I heard South of London. That, South I, of London. I, I like that phrase. Dulwich. Dulwich. Yes. So um, I guess um, I should ask you, where do you eat uh, uh, in your home? <laughs> uh, in your hometown. So um, Sabrina, where do you eat? Oh, okay. So I recently moved to Hove about a year ago. Yeah. And there are loads, loads, loads of um, little restaurants in Hove, um, many of which I've forgotten the name of. Um, I like the Giggling Squid. That's nice, yes. isn't it? Yeah. Oh, there was that really nice Turkish restaurant. <laughs> what was that called? Sahara? Um, Sahara? No. I really like burgers, so oh, yes. anywhere where there's a burger, a, a, a bit burger. of a burger connoisseur, yeah. I like to go around trying all the different burgers. Lion Lobster is nice too. Lion Lobster, which oh. is just down the road from the New Venture Theatre and not so far from where you'll be performing at the Jukebox. Um, what, what's your favourite type of burger? Oh, depends on my mood. Something really, really meaty. So this is appropriate for the play. Uh, it's good. Johnny? Mm, uh, oh, um... I love my Japanese food, so I'm yeah. lucky that living central, I've got Kokoro, yes. like about 100 foot away oh, really? from my house, yeah. and like, it's the best. I love that for like a little lunch on my own, and yeah. you can kind of look out and see the, the mall and everything, but um, if I'm going to go a little bit more um, upscale, um, I love Greek food, because it's yeah. really great for sharing. Archipelagos is fantastic. Yes. And... Yes. I usually go there for my birthday. And then my best friend's working at the uh, salt room now. So, like, I went last oh, week yes. for my birthday with her and Happy her birthday. boyfriend. Happy birthday. Thank Happy birthday. you. The rest, of your, the rest of the car said that, like, they didn't know you not invited. This is the first time. <laughs> you see, no I'm not making it all about me. Anyway, we, we went to the salt room and we had some fantastic uh, fish dishes. A lot of, uh, like, Jersey oysters and oh, stuff. And yeah. it's just, it was, it was fantastic. I bet. Yes, well, uh, I come to Brighton occasionally because yeah. I've got friends down here. Um, embarrassingly, we well, we, we usually end up eating at people's houses. Yes, um, there's nothing embarrassing. About no, that. In, the, the, the embarrassing part is that uh, we almost always make a point, uh, me and my friends, of going to Chucky Wucky Doodle. Oh, no, that, that's um, good because we like our our big old big old cakes, yeah. big old chocolate things. Yeah. Um, so we always go. We always get like a, a slice of cake to share and some tea. Fantastic. Uh, and then we die. As soon as we step outside, we die instantly of uh, a food coma. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Cloudy? I love eating at a certain place in Brighton. It's, um, it's that, I'm really healthy. And yeah. I really like all that freshy salad stuff. It's that buffet place. It's called Foodilic, but it's, it's really great. It's yes. kind of, you can see all the food on the window. It's really small. Oh, I know, yes, and yes. And you go upstairs, and, but that's where I always go. And I always eat there on my own as well. Yeah. And then maybe eat there with my singing teacher who yeah. eats there. And Sam. So does this have to be in Brighton? Not at all, no. Okay, two places. Yeah, go on. 
I'm a, I'm a fan of fried chicken. Oh, yeah. Mm. place in South London that's great fried chicken. It's great. There's a place in well, South London. <laughs> <laughs> there are many There's places. Many. There are many places in South London. Fried chicken. My my personal favourite is a chain called Morley's. Oh yes, yeah. You Morley's. know Morley's? Yeah, I do. And the, the chicken there is particularly greasy. The chips are particularly sloppy. They do a very good Philip Burger. Um, it's one of the better KFC knockoffs. Absolutely, absolutely. But KFC is a little bit too high mark. But there's a there's a place uh, three doors down from me called Hanouche, which is a turkey place. Yeah. Get a halloumi wrap from there. It's ah, spot on. Excellent. I'm always going there on my own as well. Ah. I always seem to be eating on my own. Sam always brings us food as well, which is great. Yeah, so hang on, you're all in a play about loneliness and the lack of connection and uh, and cannibalism, and you all eat on your own. But there's a metaphor there somewhere. We're quite we're happy, strong, independent. Uh, people, yeah, so yeah. I love eating on my own or going to the cinema on my own. I don't need a person there. That if is, I the, want to go and enjoy myself. That is the thing. There is a there is a final taboo there, isn't there, about um, people eating? You think people can drink at the end of the bar on their own? Quite they can occasionally strange. go to the cinema on their own, but the eating eating a meal on your own done it. Uh, particularly if it is at a restaurant rather than a fast food, mm. that seems to be a bit of a, one of the last taboos. Even more so, mm. I'd say, than Canada. I, <laughs> I did check my phone a lot, I'm not going to lie. And yeah. It was only Pizza Express, and I was out of there as soon as I could. Okay. <laughs> I mean, that happens quite a lot. Yeah. I, I've, done, I've been away for a while, and uh, we have a lot of people who come in. Yes. I recently lost, I recently, I didn't lose my phone, but my phone is, is broken. Yeah. And I... Johnny. I, 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 what? We think Johnny might have broken it, we're suspecting it. But I, I've been doing Johnny like, thinks he's broken by his I did not. I, I was so. across the room. It's not being on my own, but it's being without that distraction. Sure. And I, I had my cigarette break at work the other day, and I just, I just thought to myself, and it was lovely. And I, I, you, might, I don't, you don't allow yourself no. to just be, Switch and just think, and let your mind wander. I have a theory that there is a particular type of animal that's going to be extinct because of that sort of thing. Because we uh, spend all our time on cigarette breaks looking at phones and stuff. The one animal that's going to die out is cloud animals. <laughs> we, we, we never oh, look up. Gosh. We never look up. So oh, look that, is, that is like childlike tragedy. That is like, oh my God. Because if we have too much ourselves, we just look at the phone. We don't look at yeah, the sky. Look at down at us now. Oh, there's poetry. That's really nice. I, yeah. I thought you were going to say like pigeons because we don't throw like scraps of them anymore. So yeah. I was going really yeah, literal and gross. <laughs> they'll roll you in London. They'll literally they'll get the food off you. Now, as has been yeah, traditional for this um, this particular episode of the, uh, the podcast, for about the last four minutes, I've been painfully aware that Claudia's been trying to interject. Uh, <laughs> we've, been, we've been steamroller over in her. You were going to say something. You probably I forgot that. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no, actually. Remember, we're going back to the eating alone. I mean, sure. should we still talk about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that over and dead now? No, 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 it's, um, it's good. No, I was going to say, I make a point of going on my own to test myself mm-hmm. just to show that I can go Fantastic. on my own. Don't need anyone. No. And I think that's the kind of thing Agnes would do. Yeah, mm-hmm. indeed. Yeah, so that's that's exactly. So, actually, it's character recentness, not I just do that. And also because I don't have many friends. So, so it's <laughs> your perfect casting for Agnes. Basically. Yeah, yes. A strong, independent, somewhat mouthy woman. Yes. Um, no, I mean, yes. Yes, yes, no, yes. So, um, Sam, are you perfect casting for Sigmund? And if uh, not, why not? Or if so, why? I can't, I can't, ask, I can't answer that question. Ask, he is the perfect, he is the perfect casting for Sigmund. And... Johnny. I would say I'm a pretty good fit for Felix. Yeah. Um, I'd like to think I'm smart. I'm sassy. Um, I am actually kind. I'm honest. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I'm a bit just, okay, obviously going to kind of, I don't know, add a kg of sugar onto his um, 
like performance, you know. Um, I'm I'm him to a degree, but yeah. I mean, he's he's really quite out there. You know. are quite out there. Oh, God, okay. Let's yes. just say In a fabulous way. If he took his top world. off, he's covered at the moment of uh, in doodles because he went to um doodle cat thing. Yeah, and the denied. North Lane brew house. It. it was amazing. <laughs> you, you're covering like a, I've got like a big um, highlighters tattoo. and stuff, and I've taken, I've scrubbed it off my arms and stuff. But yeah, I've got like pen marks. Fantastic. I think you're also Felix in real life. To be fair, it's a bit of like art, art imitating life, imitating yeah, art and life and all that. Yeah. Same method. Darling. Well, this Same sounds method. like a conversation that we just lit the blue touch of paper on for you to continue later. Uh, so we should um, repeat for ourselves when Sweet Meat is running and where it's running. It's running from the 15th to the 21st of May at the Sweet Duke Box. It's on 525. It's on PM. 525 every Absolutely. evening um, from the 15th to the 21st. And we're going to Edinburgh. Oh, fantastic. You're going to Edinburgh. Where and are... we're going to London. Yeah. And you're going to London. So let, let's really, um, our title music is either already playing or it's about to come into view. But um, where in Edinburgh are you going to be? Uh, we're at Surgeon's Hall during the first third of Edinburgh yeah. from the 7th to the 13th you know your stuff Agnes you should speak up more often I'm sorry Claudia <laughs> and when, when are you in London <laughs> we're in London on the 23rd and the 26th of July uh, one day is in the bunker and the other is at Theatre 503 oh excellent um, so yeah it's part of their uh, Edinburgh Fringe preview weeks excellent so uh, you'll definitely see you know things about that if you're looking at shows on at the end of July Beautiful. Uh, thank you, Adjective Productions. Thank you, Sabrina. Thank you very much, Andrew. Thank you, Johnny. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you, Ivo. Thanks very much. Thank you, Sam. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. And last word to Claudia. Oh, thank you very much. This has been the Cast Iron Theatre Podcast. Presented by Andrew Allen. And edited by Michelle Donkey. Music is Chapstick by Everett Armand. Find us on Twitter, cast underscore Iron Axe, on Facebook, Ironclad Cast Iron, or one word. Our website is castironbrighton.weebly.com. Subscribe to us and rate us on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening. So, um, hello, um, so, quite often at... Hello, hello, hello. 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 Hello.